Welcome back, one and all, to Man Eaters, the only true crime podcast on the internet where all the killers are real animals. I'm your host, James Chapman, and look, we did it. I'm not going to beat around the bush, everybody. We freaking did it. Episode 15. Put your hands together. Yeah. Producer, add like a cheering sound effect onto the track. Producer, go. (laughs) That's right. There is no producer of this show. I forgot that. Oh, I just realized I'm the producer of the show. Man, this is going to suck. Oh, well, if you're still listening... Stay listening, because even though I might be a dud, today's story is anything but. If you were listening to last week's episode, you would have heard me tease this story a little bit. Uh, essentially, I prefaced it with a, with a little anecdote. Essentially, I like to claim that this is a true crime podcast, but it's a lot different from its other contemporaries, uh, because, well, one, all the killers are real animals, as you heard from the terrific tagline. But two, you know, there is a... There's a lack of mystery, and people have said that to me. They say, James, you know, I love the show. Can you really say it's a true crime podcast when there's no element of mystery involved? And I take that feedback seriously. I really do. So what I have done is I have searched the history books. I have scoured the internet. I have absolutely wrecked Wikipedia to try and find an animal story that's a mystery. And boy, howdy, have I found something for you. Today we are talking about the beast of Gévaudan. And uh, yes, as you have probably guessed from that, it is a French story. This story takes place in France. Uh, there are a lot of French names and places and things. And you know, one thing you may have gleaned from listening to the last 14 episode episodes is that pronouncing, <laughs> pronouncing foreign place names and people is like my Achilles heel. You know, it's not my strong suit. But I'm going to do my best, you know. So if you're French and you're listening, obligatory warning and preemptive apology. I'm probably also going to try at one point to do a French accent, uh, which is, you know, I haven't even done it yet, but it's, it's almost guaranteed to not be good. Uh, luckily, as my nana used to say, Jimmy, it's impossible to be racist against French people. Uh, that's That really hit me hard. Sorry, I'm crying. <laughs> She really did say that. She really did say it's impossible to be racist to French people. <laughs> she also said, what are you, some kind of gay? Uh, it, was, it was a confusing birthday party, but uh, my nana aside, this is a terrific story, full of intrigue. The, the key to the mystery here is that even today, in, in 2022, we, are still, we still have no confirmation about what this animal actually was. It killed hundreds of people in France. Uh, they had a body. We still do not have conclusive evidence about what this animal was. Um, there are lots of theories which I'll go through at the end of the episode. I will share with you my theory about what I think this animal was as well. Uh, but first, yeah, look, sit back, relax. Uh, guys, gals, my non-binary pals, ladies and gentlemen, Caucasian and melanin, this is the Beast of Gévaudan. In early summer of 1764, the body of a 14-year-old girl named Jeannet Boulet was found in a field. She'd been working in the fields when something attacked her. Whatever this creature was, it tore her apart, limb from Lim. Shortly before this incident, another woman named Marie Genet Vallée, 
who was feeding her cattle in the eastern part of Gévaudan, saw a glimpse of a crazed animal. The beast dashed towards her. Thankfully for her, the bulls in her herd charged at the beast, causing it to withdraw after attempting a second charge. These attempts happened in a region of southern France known as Gévaudan, a generally peaceful province nestled within the hills, medieval towns dotted the countryside. While the outside world was slowly modernizing, the isolation of Gévaudan meant that it was a few decades behind the rest of France. A month after Bollet's death, another girl, this time a 15-year-old, was mauled and killed. A week later, a teenage boy was left in pieces after a similar attack. The killer was not satisfied. In September, a woman, a 30-year-old peasant, was watching the sunset. She felt a pair of eyes watching her. She attempted to run for help, but it was too late. The woman was found half-eaten on her own doorstep. Throughout the year, more and more attacks were reported across the area. Very soon, fear gripped the local peasantry, and rumours swirled that a horrific beast was preying on men, women and children as they tended the farms in the forests of Gévaudan. It was noted that this beast seemed to prefer to attack the victims' heads and necks, often decapitating heads, mutilating faces beyond recognition, and ripping throats out while the victims still lived. By Christmas, many villagers believed that it may have been a pair of animals behind the killings. They suspected this due to the incredibly high number of attacks and killings in such a short period of time, and because so many of the attacks were thought to have occurred almost simultaneously. Some accounts point to a theory that the creature may have been with another such animal, whilst other reports state that the beast was accompanied by its own offspring. Peasants claimed that the beast looked like a large wolf. Wolves were common in France at this time, but what made this beast stand apart, aside from its enormous stature, was its rust-tinged fur. A long, thin, massive tail, a black stripe along its spine, and a snout similar to that of a boar. Whatever this animal was, locals were equal parts terrified and vengeful. Commoners weren't permitted to own firearms, and attempts at hunting the beast with spears, swords, and arrows proved ineffective. Attacks continued, and dozens of people lost their lives in a grisly manner in the following months. On July 12, 1765, Jacques Portefax and several of his friends were viciously attacked by the beast. After several charges, the group managed to drive it back using their numbers to overwhelm the beast. The story of their encounter finally made its way to King Louis XV, who awarded 300 liras to Portifax and 350 more to be shared among his friends. Portifax was also rewarded with an education at the taxpayer's expense. The king then decreed that the French government would find, hunt, and kill the beast of Gévaudan. The Clermont Prince Dragoon's first captain, Duhamel, and his troops were dispatched to Gévaudan almost immediately. Despite his passionate attempts, Duhamel's efforts were stymied by the local herders and farmers' refusal to cooperate. He came close to shooting the beast on multiple occasions, but was thwarted by his guards' ineptness. Duhamel became enraged when a group of villagers were not present and ready as the beast crossed the Trior River. Captain Duhamel was compelled to stand down and return to his headquarters after Louis XV decided to send two professional wolf hunters, Jean-Charles Marc Antonin Denevelle and his son, Jean-Francois. Cooperation with Denevelle was impossible because their methodologies were so dissimilar. 
Duhamel organized wolf hunting groups, whilst Denevelle and his son felt the beast could only be killed by stealth. On February 17, 1765, father and son Denevelle arrived in Clermont-Ferrand with eight bloodhounds that had been trained in wolf hunting. The two sought for Eurasian wolves for the following four months, believing that one or more of these animals was the beast. When the attacks continued, the Denevelles were replaced by Francois in June 1765. On June 22nd, the king's lone Arbas carrier and lieutenant of the hunt, Antonin, often confused with his son Antonin del Bernou, arrived in the area. Antonin managed to kill a giant grey wolf, measuring 80 centimetres tall, 1.75 metres in length, and weighing over 60 kilograms on September 20th or 21st. The animal was thought to be an unusually huge wolf. Officially, Antonin stated, We proclaim that, as evidenced by this report signed in our hand, we have never seen a large wolf comparable to this one. As a result, we believe this is the dreadful beast that caused so much havoc. Survivors of the attack recognized the animal as the perpetrator after noticing the scars on its body caused by the victims defending themselves. The wolf was stuffed and delivered to a nearby zoo. Antonin's son was lauded as a hero in Versailles. Antonin remained in the woods to track down the beast's female companion and her two growing offspring. Antonin was successful in killing the female wolf as well as a pup that appeared to be larger than its mother. The pup looked to have a double pair of dew claws, which is a congenital deformality seen in the Bas Rouge or Beauceron canine breed. The other puppy was shot and hit, and is believed that it perished while fleeing between the rocks. Antonin returned to Paris with a considerable sum of money, not to mention renown, honours, and awards. For months, the locals celebrated the slaying of the beast. However, on December 2nd, Two youngsters, aged 6 and 12, were attacked, indicating that the beast was still alive. The beast attempted to capture the youngest, but the eldest lad successfully fought it off. Successful attacks followed soon after, and several of the shepherds saw that the beast displayed no fear of livestock at all, stark contrast to when the beast was scared off by a pair of bulls. A dozen more people are said to have died as a result of these attacks. <clears throat> a local hunter named Jean Chastel is credited with killing the beast that ended the attacks on June 19, 1767, during a hunt organized by a local lord. In 1889, an abbot related an enlightening oral story that suggested the pious hero Chastel shot the beast after reciting his prayers, although historical records contradict this. A French writer later told a story of how large caliber bullets were forged by melting down the Virgin Mary's medals. This was also proved to be inaccurate. The body of the beast was subsequently transported to a castle, where a surgeon performed the post-mortem. His report is now known as the Marin Report on the Beast. The stomach of the animal was discovered to contain the remains of its latest victim, when it was opened during an autopsy. There are several theories related to the species of the beast. According to modern scholars, public hysteria at the time of the attacks contributed to the widespread myths that supernatural beasts roam Gévaudan. But deaths attributed to the beast were more likely the work of a number of wolves or a pack of wolves. In 2001, a French naturalist proposed that the red-coloured mastiffs that belonged to Jean Chastel sired the beast and its resistance to arrows may have been due to it wearing an armoured hide of a young boar, thus also accounting for its unusual colour. 
Wolves were a major cause of concern throughout this time period, not only in France, but throughout all of Europe, with tens of thousands of deaths attributed to them in the 18th century alone. During the, <coughs> During the Gévaudan frenzy in the spring of 1765, a separate sequence of attacks happened near the communities of Soissons, northeast of Paris, where an individual wolf killed at least four people over the course of two days before being hunted down and killed by a man with a pitchfork. In rural areas of Western and Central Europe, such instances were common. The Marin Report describes the creature as a wolf of unusually large proportions. Despite the widely held interpretation based on most of the historical research that the beast was a wolf or another wild canid, several alternative theories have been suggested, including that the beast was a lion, a dog, a wolf-dog hybrid, or even a striped hyena from Africa. In 2021, Francois-Louis Pelissalaire described appearance of the animal and specific details of behavior and what can be inferred about the historical distribution, argued that the beast encounters could most likely be blamed on the Italian wolf, Canis lupus italicus. One contemporary writer claims that it's very likely the beast was actually a lion that escaped from a wealthy Frenchman's menagerie or zoo and was not, a, and was not reported to the authorities. In a book written by Marc Saint-Val, the author suspects the beast to be several thylacines, or Tasmanian tigers, imported in France from Australia. Regardless of what animal the beast actually was, at the end of the day the fact remains that between 1764 and 1767, the beast of Gévaudan had rampaged through an area spanning 80 to 90 kilometers squared. Over this time, there had been 610 attacks, resulting in 500 deaths and 49 injuries. 98 of the victims killed were partially eaten. The Beast has had a considerable impact on media over the last 250 years, appearing in both medieval and contemporary literature, as well as being mentioned or referenced in modern television and screen projects such as Teen Wolf, The Wolfman, and Animal X. Netflix is currently producing a feature film based on the events in Jovadan. So, that was The Beast of Jovodan. I hope you enjoyed that story as much as I enjoyed uh, researching it and telling it. I did say before I was going to share with you my theories on what the animal, what the beast actually was. Um, and I hope you don't find it too uh, anticlimactic or underwhelming. But I'm a big subscriber of the theory of Occam's Razor. Uh, if you haven't heard that, basically it's the, the theory that the simplest explanation is often the correct one. Um, and a good analogy of that is when you hear hoofs outside, it's probably horses, you know, not zebras. Why would it be zebras? And in this case, and in this case, I think, you know, when you hear paw prints, it's, uh, it's probably a wolf, not a striped hyena from, from Africa or a thylacine from Tasmania. That one was weird. Uh, yeah, my theory, and it is underwhelming, I guess, is that the beast of Givaudan was probably just a large wolf, an abnormally large wolf, maybe a wolf-dog hybrid. I don't hate the theory that it was sired by like a, a mastiff or a big hunting dog. You know, that could account for the beast's, you know, red-tinged fur, um, also its changed snout shape. Uh, but yeah, that's basically what I think. I don't think it was a lion, I don't think it was a thylacine, I don't think it was a hyena. It probably was just a very, very large wolf, possibly wolf-dog hybrid or some other canid like that. Uh, but yeah, that's my theory. I obviously don't know more any, anything else uh, than anyone else. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. 
We're going to move on now to a new segment. That's right, episode 15, and we're introducing a new segment. I'm not going to let things get stale around here. Don't you worry about that. Uh, This new segment is called The Scratch of the Day. It's kind of like a catch of the day, but it's a scratch of the day because it's an animal. Did you get it? Anyway, in the Scratch of the Day segment, I'm going to talk about um, news stories involving animal attacks and human animal interactions and stuff like that uh, that have happened recently. So I have two stories for you today. One is quite sad. Well, they're both sad because people died. Uh, One involves uh, a tiger, I believe, in India, and the other one is a camel attack in uh, Tennessee. So I'm going to start with the camel attack because I have more information about it. So uh, this, uh, yeah, like I think I mentioned this happened in the state of Tennessee. The headline reads, are, are camels dangerous? Animal attack kills two people near Tennessee Petting Zoo and prompts response from PETA. This was written on March 12th, 2022. Two people have been pronounced dead after being attacked by a loose camel. The incident took place near a Tennessee Petting Zoo on Friday. Authorities state that they put the camel down for the safety of everybody on the scene. On Thursday afternoon, the Obion County Sheriff's Department mentioned that they had received reports of an animal on the loose attacking people. The animal was reportedly attacking those near Shirley Farms Petting Zoo. Sheriff Carl Jackson stated that deputies found two victims unconscious on the ground upon their arrival. The animal continued to look vicious as deputies arrived at the scene. The dispatcher received a call about the attack. In the audio obtained by CBS News, they said, two 911 calls of two people being viciously attacked by a camel at Shirley Farms. Uh, It's unfortunate that these two men who, or two, sorry, two people who were found unconscious did die later. The camel was put down. Uh, Yeah, camels are generally peaceful animals. There's nothing in their genes that makes them hunt or aggressive or anything like that. It's unknown why this particular camel was uh, was vicious. But if you just look at the physicality of a camel, of course they can be dangerous. They are massive animals. Uh, I don't know about you. I always forget how big animals can be sometimes. I was in Taronga Zoo at the beginning of last year and uh, there were camels there. We were very close to them and I just forgot how huge these things were. They're not like, they're bigger than horses, they're bigger than cows a lot of the time. Um, and they are huge, they kick uh, and they spit. So they're uh, not great to be around. Anyway, uh, our next story uh, is from India. Uh, yeah, our next story is uh, kind of a sad one. The headline is Teenage Boy Mauled to Death in Animal Attack in MP Sanjay's Tiger Reserve. A 14-year-old boy was mauled to death by an unidentified wild animal in the Sanjay Tiger Reserve uh, forest officials said on Monday. Villagers claimed that the boy was killed by an attack by a tiger, but forest officials said that the animal involved in the attack has yet to be identified. The incident occurred uh, on Sunday, uh, a ranger said, the blood-stained body of the victim with big wounds on the neck and back caused by an animal attack was found uh, near the Komar River where he had gone to graze cattle. So when I first read this story, I mistook what was going on. I thought this reserve was like a zoo. Uh, it seems to just be like an area of like a national park that is sort of reserved for uh, for tigers. People aren't really meant to go in, but obviously when you're a villager in a rural area and you've got to feed your cattle, you've got to drink, you got to get the cattle to drink water, you just go where the water is. Uh, and, and that's what's happened. So this teenage boy has lost his life uh, by presumably a tiger, but they don't know the animal. Um, I can't, I imagine that if it's not a tiger, it has to be a leopard. I can't think of any other animal that really, it could be in that area. Um, I don't believe there are lions in India anymore. Uh, so it's one of those two. The fact that it was attacked from behind 
really doesn't help because that's what tigers and leopards do. There's lots of videos online of uh, zookeepers turning their back on big cats and they will stalk up behind them. Uh, it's their preferred method of, of hunting is sort of ambushing and uh, sneaking up on their prey. Uh, I imagine that this, this article was published a week ago. It's going to be very difficult for them to determine the animal that actually did kill this boy unless they find the animal uh, and they kill it and they perform an autopsy and they find remains in its stomach uh, or in its stool. Uh, but again, it, this, this article does not mention that the boy was consumed at all. It just mentioned he was killed with, uh, you know, uh, wounds to the back of the neck, which again tracks for a tiger or a leopard. Um, so yeah, very sad. And obviously our thoughts go out to his uh, family. Um, and, you know, hopefully this doesn't result in a cull of the tigers nearby. In places like Australia, when animal attacks happen, we cull the animals all around. But in places like India, where stuff like this is a little bit more common, particularly... Uh, you know, 50, 100 years ago, I can't imagine that this is going to prompt a huge response. This is from a very small article in the uh, in the Deacon Herald, so I don't think this is going to uh, be much more than a blip for a lot of people. But it is very sad. It's very sad that this boy lost his life. It's very sad that those two people lost their life in Tennessee from a camel. Uh, yeah, and it's very sad that 500 people died because of the beast of Jevadan. And on that depressing note... I'm going to end today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, please, please like us. Give us a rating. Uh, I think currently we've got a 4.5. I don't know which one of you fuckers gave me a bad rating to, to pull me down to a 4.5, but it's absolutely unacceptable. Um, I also posted a quiz on the Instagram at Podcast. Um you guys did very well not as good as the last time so i think you guys need to listen to the episodes a little bit more closely but uh thank you for participating nonetheless uh, my name's james it's very late at night now so i'm gonna go to bed uh, i want you to promise me something i want you to all promise me that you are going to do your best to stay safe out there because as we have learned it's a real jungle out there <laughs>